Hey, everybody, welcome into episode 76 of the Curtain Call podcast presented by the Yes Network. I'm Justin Shackle, and with you, as always, Yes President of Production and Programming, John J. Filippelli. And we are weighing in on the Yankees, the rest of the American League, and really all of Major League Baseball with the trade deadline inching closer. And John wanted me to do this right out of the gate because a lot of you are probably listening to this podcast and wondering who the heck is this imposter. So I've been called out of the bullpen to guest host here, John. Uh, I was told to give a little bit about me. Um, my name's Justin. I'm a, I work for the Yankees. I'm a, I'm a scoreboard and digital host and reporter. I filled in on the S Network numerous times. Uh, I'm a boxing broadcaster and I host the pitching podcast with David Cohn, Tone the Slab from John Boy Media. So rate, review, and subscribe that bad boy. But uh, John, thanks for having me pinch hit here and good to be with you. I'm glad you brought up one thing. Rate, review, and subscribe because that's really important. So that's the, one of the most important things we can do. We always forget to do that. So thank you for reminding us to do that. So Justin, right, right out of the gate, thank you for that. Um, and anyway, it's nice to have you here, and uh, I appreciate uh, you taking the time. And uh, you know, you'll be guest co-hosting, and uh, I'm uh, looking forward to the the next uh, bit of time we're going to spend together here, taking uh, talking about the Yankees, talking about the trading deadline, talking about some of the happenings in Major League Baseball, some of the you know some of the key injuries, some of the players who are uh, right on fire right now. And there's a uh, there's a lot to talk about as uh, you know we're uh, you know we're around the hundred game mark, and uh, you know so you have two thirds of the season is. Uh, not done. So uh, we're in an interesting point in the season, and, uh, and to see uh, go through the standings a little bit and see who's where, who the teams are where, surprises teams that. And the thing that this is really interesting to me, Justin, is the uh, is the the wild card races, how the prominence they're going to take on now with the additional team, you know, being added to it, so more teams will be involved in it. That obviously in the wild card hunt and pursuit, and the way the American League is shaping up is it's it's quite interesting the way that that race is shaping up. So there's a lot to talk about, and uh, I welcome you and thank you for taking part in this. No, thanks for having me. And all those elements that you're talking about, they all go into this very important next week or so of the baseball season, because as we are recording this on Friday, July 29th, there are only four more days to go until the trade deadline. And a reminder, there was that August 31st waiver deadline in years past that is gone. So this is the final time for teams to make improvements to their rosters. And with those extra wild cards, there are more teams thinking that they have a chance to make it to the postseason. So it really affects the trading landscape in terms of who is buying, who is selling. And we're going to get into all that. We're going to touch on how the Yankees have played here in July. It hasn't been as well as April, May, and June, and that's okay. It's just part of the ebbs and flows of a season. But before we get to that, John, I was curious here. And this is something that we did not talk about before, but I wanted to throw it your way. Because we are only four days away from the trade deadline, what is the most memorable trade deadline deal that kind of always sticks out to you when it's this time of year? I, I'm going to date myself. I guess I have worse dates in my life, I suppose. Uh, I'm going to date myself and say, um, uh, it, I mean, it goes back to when I was in grade school, uh, the trade for Lou Brock. It was a trade that they kind of cut you. I don't think you really want to hear this. This this goes back <laughs> no, to no. Please proceed. The, the, the Chicago Cubs trading 
Lou Brock, future Hall of Famer Lou Brock, to the Cardinals uh, in 1964, I think it was, and then 64, 65. I'm going to go with 64. And, um, and how that turned the entire fortunes of the Cardinals around. Uh, Lou Brock became such an outstanding player. He was a good player with the Cubs. He became a great player with the Cardinals. And, you know, and the Cardinals were able to you know, become a real force in the National League because of, the, of that deal. I mean, that, I mean that's, that's, that's an archaic um, sort of scenario. I mean, that, show, that shows the archaeologist to me, okay? That's how long ago this is. So that's a long time ago kind of deal. Recent years, what trade has come and that has really made a bit, big difference? That's an interesting question. I mean, there's been a number of moves that the Yankees have made, other teams have made around the deadline that have, you know, certainly improved them and put them in a good spot. Um, the, the most memorable one was the one a few years ago that the, the, uh, the Yankees wound up making in the Chapman deal with the Cubs. I mean, I thought that was fairly memorable and, and, uh, you know, ultimately you know, a, lot, a lot of noise in that deal, a lot of big time noise, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, some, some of these deals have, I don't know if they're made for long lasting impressions. You know, I think they're, they're made for short term scenarios. Usually what can we do to get help? Someone is going to play a player or players who are going to come here and give us the shot in the arm that we need. It's the, you know, when we're past the middle of the season, you know, and the closing in on two thirds of the season, it's we're now in the, in the stretch, which we call just the beginning of the stretch. And, you know, what do we need to, that, that we're going to a, be really good down the stretch and fortify our position or can make up some games or whatever. But mostly I think a lot of the times, if you have a league like the Yankees do, the Yankees are looking right now. I think Brian Cashman is looking at, potential opponents. I mean, who could we wind up playing? Uh, who, who's on the board for us to play? And how would we match up against these teams? You know, and, and ultimately, I think the Yankees are really looking somewhere along the line at some sort of showdown with Houston. I mean, it, it, it could very well happen. It may not happen, but it could very well happen. And it probably will happen and, that way. And they're going to have to look at that and say, okay, we've not done that well in the head-to-head with, with Houston. Um, and, you know, and, and this is why. Because they put both with very good games, great playoff atmosphere kind of games, close games for the most part. They really have been. But, you know, the Yankees have come on the short end of, of the season series. So they're looking at something like, how do we get, what do we do to make ourselves better there to you know, for potential opponents? And I think first and foremost, they're looking probably at Houston. So, you know, there's there's we could, we could go through deals that have been made over the last couple of years we wouldn't be wrong to do that, but I'd rather focus right now on, and we can get back to that, by the way. I think we should get back to that. But I, 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 right now, I think the focus is really on what the Yankees need to do short term because the Yankees, you know, have had a great, like we, we've talked about, have had a great run here. And they're slumping at the time. Right now, as we record this, they're slumping. Every team hits slumps. The Yankees are no different. They're hitting a bit of a slump right now. And, you know, they slump in the sense that, you know, they're, they're not playing as well as they had played, obviously, for the first major part of the season. So they're looking at what they could do to right the ship. And uh, it started with uh, the acquisition of Andrew Benatendi. Yeah, that Lou Brock trade, by the way, June 15th, 1964, just to, to confirm wow. that there. Well, you, you know what? June fifteenth used to be the trading deadline back in the day. <laughs> there were two. There were two deadlines, right? I think that that was the first one was June fifteenth. That's yeah. uh, it. I, so I was right. Sixty four. Mm-hmm. Sixty four. Sixty five. I wasn't quite sure which one year, but sixty four makes sense. You know what? And the Cardinals wound up. You know what? They wound up winning the World Series that year. Sure did. You mentioned Andrew Benintendi. Yes, I think a perfect fit to to this lineup. A, a winning player as well, but. 
you you were we're going we're going to go back and forth here because I think the the play in the month of July is kind of synonymous with how they address their needs for the trade deadline. And yeah, they they right now as we record this, they're coming off a one nothing victory over the Royals at Yankee Stadium. Aaron Judge hitting a walk off home run, but the Yankees are eleven and twelve in the month of July. Obviously, a far cry from what the first three months of the season presented, but. I really think that this is a good thing for a team who has championship aspirations. And I think the best thing that comes out of all of this is that they've played all of their regular season games against the Astros ahead of the trade deadline and allowed them to recognize how they can improve their roster. So, yeah, they're 11 and 12. Yeah, they may have looked a little sluggish, a little gassed, whatever you want to call this month of July. But you know what? It's better that they are finding this out about themselves now than on August 29th, right? Uh, no, no, no doubt. I mean, that's uh, absolutely right. And, you know, the, and they, what the good news is they have identified, you know, looking at the team and the over, and the, you know, the aggregate, uh, they've identified, you know, uh, pretty much what their needs are. I mean, given the fact that they've got injuries, they've got some injuries right now that they have to contend with, you know, and, and get some key spots. So, you know, the, it's whether the starting pitching needs to be stronger and it needs to it could really use some help. It's, it's Stick Michael once told me many years ago when we talked about starting pitching and we talked about, you know, most teams have to get about five starters. And he said, no. You got to have eight starters, eight or nine starters, because things are going to happen to you in the course of a season. Guys are going to get hurt. Things are just going to happen. It's a long season. You got to have, you got to go probably eight deep, at least eight deep. And he turned out, if you start thinking about it, he's right. You know, he was right. So he was right about a lot of things, Dick Michael. It was a great, it was a great, great baseball man. But, uh, right. but he's right. You, you got to get depth. So the Yankees need some depth in the starting pitching and they, you know, they can use some outfield help. There's some spots that they could absolutely need to improve, but, but as we talked about, Ben attending certainly helped them. So they add an outfielder. There's obviously a big outfielder that's on the mind of many Yankee fans and many baseball fans in general. Um, but you mentioned starting pitcher. Anything else on the shopping list in your mind for the Yankees? Um, you know, look, I, if, if, if this, there's a lot of rumors about Soto, right? So I don't know. I don't know how probable that is. Uh, I'm not saying it's not. I mean, if you could get a talent like Soto, you go get him. He's got, what, two and a half years of uh, three, three Octobers possibly in him if the Yankees get him. So the Yankees would be obviously would be well served to think about obviously getting him uh, if they can. If they could pull the trigger on that, it's going to be a huge haul of prospects for sure. Of players and some established players to tend to think as well. So they're going to look for a lot, and they're going to get a lot for Soto, the Nationals. So are the Yankees willing to 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 do the Yankees have that need right now? The Yankees, you know, if a player like that is out there and can obviously he makes you better, no matter how good you are. The Yankees have been pretty good this year; they really have been. But if a player like that is on, you just have to look at it seriously and say that's potentially three Octobers, and is it worth the investment of what we'd have to invest to get him? And I think the answer is he is. So. Uh, then you figure out where to play him and how that fits with Judge and everything else. You'll worry about that later. Right now, I think you look at it. If you can get a player like that, you go get him. It's such a interesting point because Soto, for this season, has to be looked at as a luxury at this point, especially after you make the deal for Ben and Tandy. But in terms of setting up and potentially just pivoting the overall organizational landscape, that's the type of player that, that Soto is, for sure. So it's such a difficult question Yes. To answer, right? And, yes. and it's very unique. Very unique. Sure. Because it's, a, it's in a sense, it's a redundant. I mean, where do you play him? I mean, yeah. let's say, I mean, obviously he plays, 
But, you know, you, you, you got Judge in center who's playing right, who's playing left. You know, Stanton comes back. How long is Stanton going to be out? You know, the Yankees have to think about there's just a lot of a lot of furniture that's going to have to get moved for this to happen. And mm-hmm. how pragmatic is it? You know, it's like it's a great thing for the fans and everyone to talk about. And to actually, if you could figure out a way to get it done, I mean, who wouldn't want Soto on your team? You find a way to get a great seminal. He's a seminal talent. He's a, he's a potential Hall of Famer and, I mean, and, and a terrific talent, one of the great players of the game. So if you can get him, and especially he's 23 years old, my Lord, you go get him. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just do. But but uh, and again, I, will the Yankees say we really have that need right now to to go out and do it and to get to invest all that we'd have to invest to get it and win? And there's a lot of furniture, like I said, that has to get moved for it to happen. But it's it's very interesting to talk about. If nothing else, it's fun and uh, to speculate on it. But but who knows the reality of of, of that scenario? Yeah, let's, and, we'll, and we'll talk about Soto a little bit more as it relates to some of the other big names that we're hearing out there. Let, let's focus on Benintendi, though, because we talked about him, brought him up a moment ago. He is on the Yankees now. That's who they did, they did make. What are the Yankees getting on the field from Andrew Benintendi? Well, the, well let's put it this way. They get a guy who gets on base, okay? And it's, he's not a home run hitter. He's, he, 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 he potentially he has it. Passed it some home runs. He only has three this year. He's he's changed his game when he was Kansas City. He changed his game to sort of suit Kauffman Stadium and uh, the team that the Royals were. So I mean, he's not really hitting home runs, but what he does is he gets on base. I mean, he, he's he's leading the league in hitting. I mean, he's in like three twenty. So you know, so he can hit. So he gets on base. Uh, he's got he's got speed. He's a great defensive outfielder. Terrific defensive outfielder. Gold Glove outfielder. Uh, made the All Star team for the Royals uh, this year. Um, he's got the pedigree to play in New York. I mean, he was with the Red Sox, and he—if you can play those Yankee Red Sox games, you know—you can play it about anything there is. So, talk about high pressure, high stakes. He's been through it. He's—he knows how to handle it. So, he's a—he's a tremendous asset to have because you know he knows how to win. He's been in kind of races. Uh, he's been through the Yankee Red Sox, the you know wars, if you will. So, and he's a—he's a really good talent. He's a good all-around player. He play, he's got offense. He's got defense. He runs the base. He does everything pretty well. He's a good athlete. And uh, so, I mean, it's just a good pickup for the Yankees. It just it helps them in so many ways because he can play, he can do other things. But but he's uh, he what he is is that he's he's a really good baseball player. Is what he is. I think I think Aaron Boone summed it up nicely when he talked to the media before Thursday's game. He kind of compared Benintendi to a left-handed version of DJ LeMahieu, at least at the plate. But I think overall, I've always thought of him like as a winning player. I mean, yes. he is he is embedded in my head as one of the the pillars of the Red Sox winning that World Series in 2018. And this is similar to the move that they made nearly a year ago, bringing in Anthony Rizzo, a guy with a championship pedigree. He knows what it takes to win a World Series, and you don't really have that in other places inside the Yankees clubhouse. So I think the more players like that who have been in the trenches have gone deep into unfamiliar waters in the month of October. I think it's really important to have those players. And it's not like Ben is a 35, 36 year old guy who this happened to him, you know, almost a decade ago, he's, he's under 30. So it's fresh. 27. Yeah. I mean, he, there's a lot to bring there. And you know what else he's hit well against Houston this year. Well, there you go. See, that goes to that goes to, you know, and among other things, I don't know if this was primary, but it certainly was probably in the discussion uh, when the Yankee hierarchy was sitting there saying, do do we go get him? Why do we go get him? 
was the fact that he plays well against Houston. You're right. I mean, again, that's one of the things that they're looking at is potential matchup with them. And and, uh, and I think a roadblock to the World Series for the Yankees is very, very much uh, could be Houston. So, I mean, they're looking for every way that they can to counter it and to overcome it. Yeah, I think he's going to give you a solid at bat and he could hit good pitching. And those are the types of things that I think about when DJ LeMahieu pops into my head. So Ben Intendi, I love this move. They didn't really give up too much either. So this is this is a solid move here. Quality um, at bats. To go yes. back to what you said, it's quality at bats that he gives you. I mean, he's a he's a he's a grinder. He you know he's uh, he knows how to handle a, a plate appearance. You know, he knows how to foul pitches off. I mean, he's he's familiar with the leadoff spot, which he's hitting in, and he, he knows how to get on base. So he draws walks. I mean, he does the things that you need to do, the erosion that you need to have to, to get the, the other starting pitcher out of a game, to get to a bullpen. I mean, he, he's familiar with that process. And, and that that is of inestimable value, particularly as you get to October, to try to get starters out of games. So when we look at the items that are still potentially on the Yankee shopping list, I don't think you mentioned a reliever. I really feel like they need to pick up a reliever or possibly two because the bullpen right now is is tough to look at. And when you just pop into October, I think they need to make some uh, – they, they do a good job revamping their bullpen on the fly in recent seasons, and it seems like they have the pieces that internally can make that happen again. But that's a lot to bet on for a team that's trying to win a World Series this year. And, and if you're leaving, no doubt, I feel like you need to look outside for bullpen help. Yeah, losing King hurts yeah. for I mean, King has just been such a big part of that bullpen. So losing him hurts. And again, it goes back to what we talked about at the top, the kind of the, the length of the season. It's a long season. And, um, you know, the, it's the, the fatigue of the season and a lot of appearances for a lot of these guys. And, you know, and, you know, yeah, I mean, there's a certain, you know, sort of a wear factor that's involved here. And, and do, are the Yankees, the bullpen look a little tired? It looks a little tired. And it's, it's, it's the way the team has slumped. Recently, the bullpen is slow. Recently, bullpen was stellar. I mean, for so much of this run, and it was one of the keys to the Yankee run was the bullpen. So, I mean, does it need revamping? It needs a little help. I, I think you're right. I think it needs a little help, but I think it's on their shopping list for sure. But now that they've addressed at least they have addressed the outfield situation with Ben Attendi, you now you look at starting pitching and you look at bullpen. Where do I? Where do we get help there? Where can we find help there? And I think they will be active in, in both those areas for sure. Yes, I think one thing to look out for: you could probably have a, a, a reliever coming in here that a lot of people are familiar with. It's a name that you may recognize, and then look for that reliever who no one's probably ever heard of, but he's he's doing a good job and potentially doing it with like that one pitch because that's what the Yankees like to identify: some guy who can throw one pitch really well. Because that's what you see with Clay Holmes, his sinker, uh, you know, change up, Wandy Peralta. Like that, that, that's that's the MO of this Yankee bullpen. So, I, uh, who at Pittsburgh I, can we take now, Justin? Yeah, Pittsburgh? that's what I was, that's what I was looking at. I was looking at that roster before. <laughs> who, yes, good. How many was, more times is Pittsburgh going to make a trade with the Yankees, by the way, before they, they wake up? Uh, I don't know. If it's Brian Cash would ask for a player, I would. I, if I was Pittsburgh, I'd put them under a long-term deal. Say, okay, <laughs> protect this player for sure. We can't can't get this guy up. Uh, it's it seems like it's been that way. It seems like they've they've been like a like a farm system for the Yankees. And mm -hmm. uh, and uh, but you I mean that that's a stupid trading. You know, the Yankees are really very good at the Yankee front office, led by. You know, Brian Cashman and his team. I mean, they're very good at identifying talent in other organizations, and you know, particularly at at, uh, at some of the lower levels. 
where you know some of the talent isn't isn't obvious to the world, but they see something in a player. You know, like like Cortez was one of them. Like, yeah. I mean, he, he saw something there. When the Yankees went and got Cortez, people said, eh, "Okay, you know, it's nice, but I don't know what it's going to be in the long run." Well, Cortez has made a big difference for the Yankees. So, Yankees have a way of spotting talent in organizations, seeing it, and, and you know, doing the thing that it takes to turn. Especially if a talent has struggled a little bit, it's, they seem to be able to, to right that ship and, and, and put them on a course that you know for to succeed where maybe they haven't been in the past. So, again, that's that's. A, credit to their scouting and it's a credit to their development and it's a credit to the overall astuteness of the Yankee front office. So this is a big rabbit hole we're about to jump down with, with the trade deadline because there are big names involved specifically this year. And I'm going to look at each one separately, present them to you, but also we're going to combine them at the end here. That's Luis Castillo, the starting pitcher for the Reds. We've already talked a little bit about Juan Soto, but now entering the chat, John, Shohei Otani, because news just kind of formulates it around this time of year, day by day. It changes uh, hour by hour. It formulates, it percolates. Yeah, and it's bubbling right now. It's it's funny. I was asking David Cohn about this on Monday of this week with Shohei Otani, because I, I believe the Angels should trade him. And he was, you know, he, he didn't believe that it could possibly happen. The Angels weren't listening on offers for Shohei Otani. Then we get a report from the New York Post yesterday that, well, they're picking up the phone. They're not automatically hanging it up when people ask about Shohei Otani. So there's a trail now forming here. And we have four days left to the trade deadline. But let's begin with Luis Castillo here, because in my opinion, in the present, Castillo seems like he could be the top choice for a team that needs a bona fide number two starter in October. Castillo's there. Frankie Montes, the A's, is out there as well. How aggressive do you think Brian Cashman needs to be in making sure that he lands at least one of those starting pitchers? Uh, I would say he needs to be very aggressive. I think that's the biggest need that the Yankees had. Uh, Yes, the outfield need was there for sure. But there were ways to address the outfield need, even if you didn't go the Benatendi route. There were ways to, to address it. I, I don't think starting pitching, there is no way to get around the fact that they need depth uh, right now. There were questions about innings because of Severino. I mean, remember, Severino had pitched in two years. So, and he's pitched like, outstanding. I mean, you think how well his pitch, he's been outstanding. But, you know, they're now they're, they're all their little, all their little, you know, hunts and, and aches and pains and things. And you look at it, innings. So, so you look at the innings pitched and you say, how many innings can he pitch? And if you want him in October, and the Yankees do, they have to be very careful as to how much longer he pitches and how he pitches. So you need some, you need some depth for certainly for there. And also, you know, the back end of the bullpen, you know, uh, Montgomery has struggled in the first inning. You start looking at that a little bit more. And you start to look at that, how you know, the the health, the overall health. Although he looked really good last night of uh, of Tyone, you know, you start to look at that and say, you know, I mean, how much longer can you could he pitch the way he's pitching? I mean, he's pitching, he's really pitched well. It's had a terrific year. So kind of a little under the radar um, to to unless you're a Yankee fan of another team uh, to the to the the outside baseball world. But he's been really he's been really first rate. But you say, you know, how much longer does that happen before he starts to struggle? Cortez has struggled a little bit. If you're the Yankees and you're overall looking at obviously a championship, you got to look to championship. You got to be in that mode. That's something you have to look at and say. We need shoring up. We need at least one more starting pitcher. They might need more, but right now I'd settle for one, and Castillo would be the one I would target because there's there's not a lot of great starting pitchers on the market. They just aren't. So teams, even teams that are that are 
are struggling. They're they're reluctant to part with really really solid starting pitching because it's so hard to find. So I don't I don't see you know I see him I see the Reds putting him on the market I see the Reds trading him I just don't know and I think there'll be a very active market to get Castillo but the Yankees first and foremost I think have what it takes to make that deal and hopefully they'll they'll do it yeah I think there's an obvious need for a guy like Luis Castillo for this team and I think also the the fact of not wanting to go through a guy like Luis Castillo in the postseason if he's on another team. So I think there's two reasons to make the move, obviously, because you need it. That's first and foremost. But also, you don't want a team like the Blue Jays or the Astros getting Luis Castillo and having to face him there in October. Juan Soto is in the chat in this discussion as well. And yeah, they can both help the Yankees this year for two different reasons. And Castillo, you get him for two Octobers. Soto, you get him for three Octobers and potentially over a decade that, like we were saying at the time, could alter the course of this organization. Which player best represents this Yankees team, leaving no doubt about this roster for this season? Is it Castillo or Soto? That's that's kind of an unfair question. That's a loaded question if I've ever heard one. Um, because you know the impact that a so- player like Soto could have. I mean, the Yankees are if you, if you take away Judge right now, look at the, how the seminal Judge has been to the Yankee offense. And I mean, I mean even with, like, how many games he's won for them, and how many games that they would have struggled in had he not been in that lineup. And the presence that he is—he's such an enormous presence that you know he's really a very very difficult player to replace. That especially now with Stanton out, you really need Judge to be Judge. So the fact that you know, to say, well, we don't really need Soto. You kind of do need Soto. If you could get him, I mean, again, with October being the overall ultimate aspiration and winning October, then, you know, a guy like Soto should be high on your list because players like that don't come along very often. And when they do, if you're in a position to get them, I think you have to you expend whatever you have to expend to go get them because they will make you infinitely better. No matter how good the Yankees are, they'll be a lot better with Soto. So on the team. And they'll figure out, like I said, moving the furniture around to make sure a Judge gets hits at bats and he's playing. And I mean, obviously, they're not going to put Judge on the bench. So you know, you start to figure out where do we where do we get the at bats from? They they will figure it out because he's too great a talent not to figure it out for. So if you could get him, you go get him. But right now, starting pitching is a, is a really pressing need as well. And if you're going to win October, you got to do something. You got to add another starter. And Castillo is such a good player. He's such a good pitcher. And just look at his ERA, what that is on a team that has really struggled to score runs. I mean, his record is is actually rather impressive when you consider the record of the Reds. So it's but it's not about record, as you know. It's really about how well you pitch in games and how well you keep your team in it. And, and so and, and and Castillo has absolutely done that. He's a strikeout pitcher. He's a and he's also got a great disposition. You know, I was watching a game pitch against the Yankees, and a couple of calls didn't go his way. He just kind of shook his head a little bit, and he smiled. And they took the next pitch, and he made sure that he got the strikeout, or he got whatever he needs. And he was always just sort of dancing off the mound at the end and thanking his teammates. And you could see how popular he was in that, in that dugout. You could see his presence on the mound, how, how this great stuff that he has, tremendous stuff. So you look at his stuff, you look at his poise, you look at his overall importance to the, the the red organization and the reds are going out of this right now but you could see every time he pitches it it, it, was, it was like a special occasion for, for the reds because he meant that much to them so he's that kind of presence and that kind of talent and if you can add that like that's who you go get and that's the guy i don't think that if you he's first second he's one two and three in my book right there so if you can get him that's where you go get interesting you say that because there's the the conflict of 
this team needing starting pitching or an impact uh, bat the caliber of Juan Soto. So now I throw Shohei Otani at you. And yeah. and here we go. Both. Yeah, he gives you both. <laughs> he gives you both. So if if the Angels, let's take if let's go this this way yeah. first. No, forget it. We'll we'll concentrate on the Yankees first here. If the Angels make Shohei Otani available, do the Yankees pivot completely from Soto Castillo and put all their eggs in trying to acquire Shohei Otani? Wow, that's another question. It's, I mean, these are, this is really an interesting <laughs> scenario because it is an interesting scenario. I mean, look, if in fact you could get him now, we, at a certain point, you know, you can't get Castillo, add Soto, add, add Shohei, Shohei Otani. You, you just can't no. do it. You, right? have to, I mean, you have to pick one of the doors, you right? Pick, you know, one, that's one of the, it's like, you know, let's make a deal. We're going to yeah. do a one, we're going to do a two, when are we going to do a three, when exactly we go here? You know, I think what you do as an organization is you look to say, Who's going to help me? First of all, the the impact. Who's the the immediate? Because right now you're looking at more than you're looking down the road, which is obviously part of what you're looking at. But first and foremost, it's right now. So that's why these things are, are impactful because it's right now. And what the Yankees need right now is starting pitching. They need a starting pitcher more than I think they need the impact bat. More than I think they need bullpen out. Not to say they don't need the other two. They do. But if, if you said to me, shopping list is, you know, where do you go here? What grocery do you find first? I think you look at starting pitching first. That's that's where I am. Because especially getting Ben attending takes some of the outfield pressure away because you've got the part that if he's the part that you're using, that's a pretty good part. I mean, he's not he's not he's not Otani and he's not uh, Soto, but he's a, he's a good player. And, yeah. he, and the Yankees addressed part of a need by doing that. So that that's addressed. If they do nothing else, they've addressed that need right now. That's good. So that, that leaves you then the starting pitching and the bullpen too. But the bullpen, I think you can always get you can always get those pieces. And there'll be players that they can get that will, will fit the, their need. Right now, it's starting pitching. So you know you go get that. If if Otani's on the market and you could get Otani, you get him. And because and the Yankees, but remember, the Yankees were one of two teams that were originally in the hunt to get him. It wasn't just the Angels wound up with him. But because of a situation, the relationship that you know Billy Epler had, who's you know now with the Mets, but Billy Epler was Epler was the GM for the Angels for a number of years, and also was with the Yankees. He was Brian Cashman's assistant for a lot of years, and he was also one of the heads of their their, their far east in scouting in, in Japan. So so that's where he got to know Otani, and that's one of the reasons the Angels wound up getting Otani was because of Epler's relationship with. Uh, you know, with with Shohei and his and his and his team of advisors and and men and uh, and uh, agents. So, I mean, if you look at the, the aggregate of that, um, it's 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 easy. It's the, listen. He's a great player. He's an impact player. He's an MVP player. If you can get Shohei Otani, you go get him. The Yankees. Will, this is not going to be the Yankees are going to get all these people as we just talked about. They'll, this will surface as you could get. This is the this is what's going to take to get this player and this player. This player we won't get because this other team is making a better offer. And so where are we here? So let's focus. Let's forget about player B and C and D and E and worry about player A. And I think that's what will happen. So if if, if Shohei's in this thing and the Yankees could get him and they can and they can make the trade easier than they can for some other talent, I think that's where the Yankees will go. Yeah, I mean, would you? Would you? Would I you would. I would. I would go the Otani route if if it's there. I think you probably have to give up maybe a little less than what the Nationals would be asking for, and I would be okay with that. Yes. Um. I mean, if, if you're but if you're fearful of trading one of your shortstops, okay. I mean, especially I'm not, though, I'm not either yeah, because yeah, I'm just not. I'm I'm not a prospect. Look at the talent you get every yeah, team. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. if you're talking about Soto, Soto's 23, Volpe's 21. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, I mean, I'm not saying Volpe's not a really good talent. He is. And he's a great prospect. But he's a prospect. Okay? Exactly. There are other prospects, the Yankee organization and many other organizations that the top prospects, they weren't able to do whatever. I'm not saying Volpe won't translate to a great shortstop, major league shortstop. He might. But you know, you know, at the end of the day, you know what Soto is. Mm-hmm. You, you know he's an MVP player. You know he's a World Series MVP. You know that he's a uh, you know he's uh, he's he's twenty three. He's twenty three years old, and he's and he's a champion too. He's won a championship. So you know. And also, by the way, you don't discount. I know people will laugh when I bring this up about the home run derby, but the pressure of the home run derby. Now you could say, like, what pressure is that? You know what? The guy hit in ninety seconds. He had how many home runs did he have to hit to win? And he did, and that tells you a lot about him. That, After you know, getting into LA in the wee hours of the morning because yes. he was flying cross country. Right. I mean, he yeah. basically did this with a blindfold on. Yeah. And, and he was laughing the whole way and having a good time the whole way. It seemed like whatever pressure was involved in this thing didn't, didn't bother him one iota, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he rose to the occasion. Okay, this is what I need to hit him. So he went and did it. Again, I know it's batting practice. I mean, I get it. But at the end of the day, you still got to go do it. And there is a certain amount of inherent pressure to a situation like that. And he went and he, he looked it right in the eye and he just challenged it and defeated it easily. That's, that's the kind of caliber player that he is. I mean, yeah. that's a lot. Well, I tell you what, these are all great uh, problems to have if you wind up getting these players. These are so awesome. It's true. Um, I, I, I take Otani solely because I think the need for starting pitching trumps all. You have the opportunity to get a player like Otani, so that kind of trumps, in my opinion, off, offsets yes. Luis Castillo right there. And then if you want to weigh Otani or Soto, I think you have to give up a little less prospect capital for a guy like Otani just because but they address of the contract needs. situation. I mean, exactly. agree, two needs get addressed in one move. Exactly. Now, here's two the major. question, and this is this is something I want to know from you because you're, you're in the business of baseball. You're also interested in the winning aspect of baseball, and I really think both are separate in this day and age here. So should the Angels take it a step further and trade this guy? Well, let me put it this way. The, what the Angels do every October is you wind up with uh, with somebody who's declared the, the the MVP, whether it was Trout or Zotani. They've kind of retired the award. I mean, if you go back to the last several years, it's been one or the other used who wins the MVP award. And that says a lot to the great talents of Mike Trout, who now has had some back issues now going on, and there's some question about mm-hmm. his longevity now going forward, although I don't know what the medical situation is, so I can't speculate. But let's just say that there was a little concern the other day about the situation with his back. Okay? I don't know. Again, I don't know the validity or the depth of it, but I'm just saying what, what was out there. So if you're the Angels and you look at this and you say, okay, where are we? The reality is you're not, you, don't, you don't get to October. You don't get there any year. But you, somebody winds up winning the MVP, which is nice. That's nice. But you need to get to October and actually play it. So the Angels have not had the, 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 the depth of, of, of roster and not had the overall talent. Although they made some significant moves. Remember the players that they brought in to, to help them be, become better. And they haven't been able to translate it into making October. So that's got to be on their mind. And if I'm them, you know, how much longer do you go with Show? I mean, you're going to have to pay him a fortune, another fortune, because he'll be a free agent in, was it, a year and a half? I think he, this, he's got two Octobers, right? So, yes. Okay, so that's not a long time. And they're going to have to give up a lot. Any team that goes to get him is going to have to give up a lot. The Angels will get a lot for him. And if you're them, you look at it and say, okay, you know, um, we may not be able to re-sign him. But I know he likes LA, from what I understand. But there will be other teams that will be suiting him. And one of them could very well be the Yankees in, in a year and a half from now. So you don't really know. 
so if you're them, do I make a deal like that? If the haul and return is significant enough, I have to consider it. If I'm running the Angels, I have to consider it. Yes, because they need, they don't need one player. They need seven. Yeah. Five, six, seven players to be whatever. I'll tell you what, I would do it right now. His value is never going to be higher. Yeah. He's making no money at the moment, and right. he is conveyed that he wants to win. And the the route that they've been going for a decade now, it's not working here. And the return you can get, and yes, I understand their their prospects, their lottery tickets, but you have the advantage for the first time in a while, if you're the Angels, to address multiple needs for you organizationally. You haven't had that opportunity. I think you sell them. I think you do it right now. And I'm with you. I'm I'm tired of hearing about Otani and Trout as MVPs. They are terrific talents, generational talents. And yes, they're winning. They're outstanding players. But you know what? Years after years of the same thing, playing on a last place team, I don't think they're valuable. Sorry, do if, if you're that valuable, then do something. Then carry your team at this point. Do it already. It, it hasn't it, happened. It's it's not basketball. No, we're, it's not. One player. And that's you know, why we should not yeah. not consider them for the MVP award. I hate being that guy. Well, most outstanding player, most valuable player. Well, look, we're we're seeing the same thing year after year. Great talents are on a last place team. If if you are that big of a super talent and you want to be considered MVP, carry your team up the standings. Well, that's a lot to put on. on, on no, I agree, show. and that's but, why I don't think they should be considered MVPs yeah. at this point. Anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the reality is that you know it's it's the the media who who, who creates this stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, who declares you know the media votes? It's the media vote. It's the it's the media frenzy. It's the media. Lots of stuff. And I, you know, it's and there are a lot of times I look at some of these votings that go on. Whether it's rookie, and rookie of the year has been like famously like I don't want to say fraudulent. That would be that's ridiculous. Not fraudulent, but it's been ridiculously flawed. Would be what I could tell you. And we and we've seen it a couple of times where you know guys will bring it. What is that about? And that's just about media writers being able to see certain players on a, on a more regular basis than they've seen other players. They just haven't been exposed enough to, to some other talents to, 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 to put a vote before coming that has been sort of, you know, equitable with the situation with, with actually who deserves the award. So you've seen that on a number of fronts for whatever. And, and this day and age is pretty inexcusable because you can watch a team as much as you want to watch a team because every game is available to you. Mm-hmm. So there really is no excuse for, for some of the some of the voting that takes place in my mind. Also, some of the Hall of Fame voting is like, look at this, that's skewed too. I mean, look, it, this, it is what it is. It, and it's, it's going to be, it's subjective like so many other things in life. And sometimes subjective is flawed. And some of the voting is flawed. I mean, I, you, know, you take it for what it is. But but at the end of the day, talent is talent, and these guys are great talents. There's no denying they're great talents. But you not no nobody wins by themselves. They just don't. And particularly in baseball, being the teams that win are the teams that are actually teams, not the teams that are individuals. It, it's about being teams. Why is Tampa Bay year after year? All right, they're struggling a little bit this year. But but why is that team perennially where they are in the standings? Because they play as a team. Everybody has a role. They know what their role is. They go out and they execute their role. They put their egos aside. They go out and they play, and they're dedicated to win. That's what makes Tampa Bay Tampa Bay, okay? And they're not alone. There are other teams. There's the San Francisco Giants or another team like that, although maybe with a little bit more defined talent in, in past, but some, some stars. But the reality is they play the same way. The teams that play like that are the teams that win, and they win consistently. And that's what you have to look to. You have to look to who's going to fit what we're trying to do 
put ego aside. And this is not about your ego. They're selling. It's not about none of that. It's about going out and fitting in, in, into a situation and fitting in as seamlessly as you can and bringing your talent with you where your talent is going to address the situation. It needs to get addressed and you're going to excel because of it. And that's, that's, it's, you would think that that's easy to find. It is not easy to find. It isn't as easy as you think. So you sit there and you say, who's going to fit this? Who's going to fit in? The, you mentioned the clubhouse before. Who's going to fit in the clubhouse? What veteran? Can we bring in a veteran who's going to make it an impact? Because we haven't had, we've been in October, a lot of Octobers, but we haven't stayed deep into October as many times as maybe we would have liked. Why is that? Sometimes there are reasons for it. Sometimes we just have more talent. Or sometimes it's, it has to do with what happens in a clubhouse. So, I mean, I think it all has to be considered. And I think that the Yankees are in a really great spot. You know, this is the best time they've played in the of record this point in the season for a very long time. I think they have the potential to win a World Series. No doubt they do. And I just think they're tweaking. They're looking at, like we said earlier, they're looking at a situation where who do we look like we're going to play? How do we address that? And as you mentioned, you mentioned Ben Attendee before. It's the same idea, you know, the same thing. So, All right, let's look at the other teams with the Yankees who are in the postseason picture right now and how they are dealing with the days leading up to the trade deadline. Cause you mentioned the Yankees right now, as it stands at the time of this recording, two games up on the Astros in the lost column, we'll get to Houston. Let's like look at some of the other AL East teams because the wild card race is full of AL East teams right now. You have Toronto, you have Tampa Bay currently in the wild card standings right outside Baltimore and the Red Sox. And as it stands right now, Boston is a last place team in the AL East. They're they're 50 and 50 at the moment. And I tell you what, they remind me a lot of last year's Yankees team, maybe for different reasons, but just where they are in terms of underachieving. You've heard whispers about which way they can go with the trade deadline, whether they're buying, they're selling. I know that they've said that they're playing for the postseason. I don't know if they believe themselves there. Is this going to be something that goes down to the wire with a competitive organization like the Red Sox? I, I think it's going to have to. I mean, I, I look, they're they're not out of it because of the addition of the the, the extra team in the in each league in the wild card scenario. That you look at, they're not, nobody's out of it. I mean, so they've got a they've got a shot at being a wild card. If they're a wild card, they're in this the way most teams in the game will be in it. So. You know, their shot would be as good as anybody's, especially if they were able to get sale, was able to write himself and they're able to write some of the, the things that have that plagued them. Um, you know, they could be in the hunt for this uh, strongly. So, you know, look, we'll know right away. I mean, you know, Bogarts, starting to Bogarts is um, in an option situation. And he may not pick up, uh, he may want out. Uh, so if he does, I mean, that's that's a player that obviously would they would obviously look to trade as opposed to letting him just get out and walk at the end of the, in a month or so. Mm-hmm. So, you know, him, J.D. Martinez, there's a lot of talent that that team has that is in a situation where they can, you know, be dealt or should be dealt or could be dealt. And you'll know we'll know right away what they're going to do. But if I'm them, they're this this still in it, and they got a chance to you know they're in it as much as Toronto is in it, and Tampa Bay is in it, and you know and 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 the Orioles, which to me is that that's obviously the surprise team. Not only the, you know in all the baseball period, that's got to be the Orioles. I mean, that's that story in itself is unbelievable. I don't know anybody 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 who gave them a chance to be anything but last place in you know sort of a sixty five win team. So you start looking at that and you say, my stuff, my my lord, what have they done to them? But they've done a lot. And uh, so you've got them right there. And right now they're ahead of the Red Sox. I mean, who would have thought that was going to happen? So there's a lot of who would have thoughts here flying around. And that's what makes this so fascinating. But but again, the Red Sox have a way 
They either win a championship or they find themselves in some kind of mini rebuild. And that's what they've been in the last decade. Just look at the years they've won and look at what they've done in the years they haven't won. They've been, they haven't just not been in it. They have just not been in it at all. Right, right. And they it's hit or miss. apart. <laughs> yes, it's right. They hit or miss with that team. When they hit, they win a championship. When they miss, they're, they're not in last place, but they're near the bottom of the American League East. And they, and they were out of it from the beginning of the, the beginning of the season. So, you know, th- it's going to be hard for them to gauge, but because the wild card race is so close and it's so active and they've got so many teams in it, if they think they have, they have enough to overcome it, I think they'll, they'll be in it. If I, if their brain trust looks at it and says, you know what? We just don't have enough. We just don't see it like that. And it's going to be really tough for us. There's our schedule matches in such a way where we're playing way too many teams that have really good records. And uh, it doesn't favor us and sell and who knows what, you know, what their futures are. And then they've got to look at all, they've got so many things to look at, so much information they have to take in and they're going to have to make a, a decision. Nobody wants to say to their fan base, wave the white flag in the beginning of August that they're essentially done. Nobody wants to do that. The Red Sox are certainly one of those teams that doesn't want to do that, but they may have to do that. They may look at it and say, you know, we don't, we, in our estimation, we're not measuring up. It's a tough decision to make, uh, but, you know, the Red Sox are going to have to look and face the, the hard truth one way or the other. Yeah, they have gone on record saying that Bogarts is not going to be traded. Uh, look, they could be just a few losses away from having to make that tough decision and trade a guy like Xander Bogarts away because it just makes too much sense from a business perspective. But, I find it fascinating, and I know so much has happened in the world in, in four years' time, but, man, if you thought by the end of the 2018 World Series when that team was celebrating that in four years' time you would not have Betts, Benintendi, and potentially Bogarts on that roster, I would have looked at you like you had six heads. It is wild to think about. Um, the Red Sox. But that story, though, you know, Trevor's story yeah. changes out of that for them because story could play shortstop and then I think when they signed him one of the reasons they signed him was they knew he could play second base and he you know be a little bit of an adaptation but not too much of a stretch and he's done that and they knew he could hit they would hit that ballpark and he's done that mm-hmm. certainly he's done a good job there and he's been a good player for them and and the idea that and he's a natural shortstop so the idea of sliding him over is not one we sit there and go oh my lord who's going to play shortstop you right shortstop. it's it's like one of those moves that make you think there's a reason why they could go out and win the world series next year because they right. Right. If yeah, I'm them, Devers is more of a priority for me. Signing Devers, right? You know, not because what the trade wreck he is to the Yankees, which is Same. like we don't go there, just destroys them. But but he's a really terrific player, and mm-hmm. you know, not that these other guys aren't. It's just that they have to make these are tough decisions. And if I'm them, I go. I worry more about signing Devers than I do about keeping Bogarts because I have I have a plan. If I lose Bogarts, if you lose Devers, or not, not that they're going to immediately, but he's but after next season he's a free agent. They got to mm-hmm. start thinking along those lines. So. If they think they're going to lose him, then they've got to start to figure out who's going to play there. The Red Sox have a lot of questions in front of them, and and, and they, they have to make a decision. Are we in this or are we not in it? And that'll dictate who stays and who goes, mm-hmm. obviously. Some of these other teams that are not the Houston Astros, but right. the other teams that are in the thick of the wild card race and just in the overall postseason picture. So you have, you have the Red Sox. Yeah, you have the Guardians. You even even the White Sox, who right now are kind of like a middling yeah. team, they could still win yeah. the Central. People forget but, about them. Yeah, People forget about them. They yeah. should. They were my World Series pick. I'm not going to forget about them. Um, yeah, the Twins. Uh, which obviously, World Twins, that? Yeah. which World Series was that, Justin? Just <laughs> which one? Uh, 1917. Um, 1918. Yeah, 1918. Uh, 1918. Yes. yes. Well, yeah. yes. No, 1918 was the Red Sox. It was a scandal. No, 1919 was the scandal. It was the Black Sox. The Black, Sox. Black Sox. Right. We have three different colored socks 
uh, yes. going on right now. I think it was 1917. Which one? Anyway, I still think the White Sox are going to win the Central Division. Um, so that's something to watch out for the last couple of months. But yeah, you have the Toronto, you have Tampa Bay, you have Seattle uh, trying to end a long. Why wouldn't the White Sox? Why couldn't I mean? I think the White Sox could win too. I mean, you look at what what Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota scary right. necessarily. I don't scare me. Well, here's my question because I yeah. think the Twins could be one move away from being a much more dangerous team. Out of those teams that I'm just reeling yeah. off right here, yeah. which team is that one move away from becoming a team? If you're the Yankees, you may pay attention to a little bit more down the stretch, as far as October is concerned. So you think it's the Twins? I think it could be one of them. I think I think it has the chance to be the Twins. Well, why wouldn't it have a chance to be the White Sox? Well, it depends on who the Twins get. And there's one player in my mind, if the Twins get them, they become a more dangerous team, and they could wrap up the, the Central with that one player. That would player. be what, Castillo? It that would be, be Luis Castillo, yeah. Okay. I mean, well, that's interesting. Suppose the White Sox got Castillo, just well, after I can think. Well, then I think, they win, I think then they win the Central by five games. All right, so that makes so let's go back a little bit. So this makes Castillo really the seminal, sort of a seminal piece in this. I mean, I don't think I mean Otani if he got moved to someone else. I mean, obviously have the same, maybe even a greater impact. But Otani would have a greater impact than, than Castillo only because he could do both for sure. And he could do both at such a high level. So mm-hmm. I mean, so you're looking at, but I don't know how pragmatic that is. I mean, the team. You're right. The Angels may just sit there and say we're not going to do anything because we don't want to do anything because we don't want to, We want to keep this guy. That's one of the few aspects of our organization that works. Is this aspect that's got him in it. So they may not want to do anything. And but you know the Reds are going to have to move Castillo. That we know. We know that I mean, he's going to get moved. Okay. So where's he going? That's why this becomes so intriguing, and he's is a difference maker in so many ways. And that's what you look for. How many? Go ahead. Danny wants to say something. Dan Bassone, say something. Oh, you know what that is? That's my phone here saying that I have a phone here that's saying low battery, low battery, low battery. <laughs> that's it is. You know, uh, it's uh, amazing how that stuff works. I thought that was Dan Bassone. Sorry, Dan. Dan, so, do you do you want to say something though? You want to say like low battery, low battery, low battery? Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't me, Flip. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but that I have no, I have nothing to add there. I think you guys are doing a great job on your uh, first podcast here, Justin. I think it's going very well. All right, well let, let's get back to let's get back to this discussion then, because yeah, I think the Reds are going to get a massive haul for Luis Castillo. Which team it's going to be? I think it's in the eyes of the beholder. That's Cincinnati. Yeah. It's depending on who, which prospects you, you covered here. But like, if you put if you put a guy like Castillo, or if a guy like Soto moves into one of these teams that are humming along for this wild card, Seattle, Toronto. Well, like, what do you make of that in terms of the October picture? Well, I mean, look at I mean, how about I mean, how many players knew who Irod was? How many? None. I mean, I, I mean, how many play? I'm sorry. How many fans knew Irod? I mean, if you're a real baseball fan, you knew who Irod was. But most people, the first time they really saw him was in the home run contest. Oh, J Rod. I'm sorry. What they call That's right. I, I take that back. Can I do a pickup? Well, you're no. You're only one letter off. You know what? Okay. That's fine. You know. That's the natural ebb and flow of, of a reality broadcast. So why don't we just leave? We'll leave the letter. You're leave only it. one letter. Hey, Jay that's comes after true. I. You're, you're so close. Good. There wasn't there wasn't a, there wasn't I Rod, and I was Ivan Rodriguez. Yes. So there you go. So I wasn't. I just had my Rodriguez's messed mm-hmm. up. But I know Alex too. So there you go. So I know I, know I got all the Rodriguez's covered. I know the law. 
So, okay. So, J-Rod, okay? So, who knew J-Rod before all this? Not too many people. Not too many people knew him. So, you look at him and what a talent he is and what he is. But you look at Seattle. I mean, Seattle's another one. Everybody thought they won 90 games last year, I think. So, they were they were on the map. But look, so they're gonna, it's going to be even better this year. And they weren't. They really struggled. But now they got really hot. They won like 17 out of 20 or something along those lines. And, and you sit there and say, like, there's, I mean, that's the run you need to to catapult yourself back into most races except you're in with Houston. So you're not really in that race right now, but you are in the wild card situation. Another team that's in that wild card situation. So it's it, it, a player that anything that makes them better and can make them uh, exponentially better. And those moves that we talked about would make them exponentially better. I think they have to consider it as well. And I think they will. Which move for the Astros would scare you the most? Wow. Uh, I mean, the starting pitching is really good. It's really good. The Astros. They're, they're, they're talking about trading from their yeah. starting pitching yeah. depth. Yes, they really are. To, I mean, to they, add to yeah. other areas. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, if they got, if they got another, they got a, a real power hitter, you know, to that lineup. I mean, not that they don't have, I mean, Alvarez, they've got guys who can hit, who can hit with power. I'm just saying they added one more power back to that lineup. That would really scare me because they're they're scary as it is because they they you know their bullpen their bullpen is good it's not great but it's good they got a solid bullpen they got great starting pitching they got really good everyday solid everyday players uh, they could use a little bench help I mean they they've got some holes but the reality is at the end of the day I think a power bat if I'm if I'm Houston would be you add that and I know they'd be really hard to beat really hard to beat yeah I you think know, it matters think which yeah, power bat they acquire yeah I think so. But 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 a power bat's a power bat. Well, yeah, I mean, but gonna, but like, look, no, any any grade of a power bat would help them. Okay, then there and there are differences in power yeah. bats. I, I don't disagree with you, but their need, I think, their need is more they they can use a home run bat. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody one swing of the bat can give them runs. They don't have a lot of hitters like that. Right. So look at it. Look at their lineup. They don't have that. I mean, not consistently. You know, right? So. Uh, but they have, but they have a really good. You see, if they lengthen that lineup, any, you know, Buck Walter told me a long time ago. He said to me, he said it's not the first six guys; it's the last three. Every team has the first six guys, or some 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 area of of like qualification for the first six. It's the last three guys in that lineup that if if you could get somebody to contribute and those guys to contribute, especially if you get all of them to contribute, even if it's in some small way offensively. He says that's going to be the difference on who wins and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I have, to, I have to think that, but you look at it on a, I don't know, if you look at it on a macro level, you look at what I just said, or you accept what I just said, there's truth to that. I mean, I, I, I really, I never really thought about it like that until Buck put it in those in, into the, into that context. But I thought it made a lot of sense to me. And and I think Houston is one of those things that the last couple of, you know, the last three outs in their, in their, their last three spots in their in their lineup are not automatic, but they don't have they don't have the offense there. You add a bat in there, lengthen that lineup. I think that they become infinitely more dangerous. That's just my take on it. Yuli Gurriel hasn't been as effective as he has been in the past. And if you, he's thirty-eight years old. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, if you if you find a piece to offset that, and then make a guy like Yuli Gurriel a complimentary piece, yeah, you're probably in good shape if you're Houston. You mentioned Buck Showalter. Yeah. Let's spend, let's spend a few minutes on the National League ahead of the trade deadline because, uh, you know, look, there's there's a whole other half of the league in the mix for some of the guys that we've been talking about. We can't neglect the National League teams here. Uh, right. uh, what what moves the what moves the Mets need to make here to to hold off the Braves 
and win the NL East? What, what kind of moves do you think? You, they, you know, it's interesting to me. We didn't really talk about this, but this this, this would dovetail into to a Met thing. Chapman. Now, I don't know. He's having a struggle. I mean, this, this, is not, this is not a revelation here, okay? He struggled. And he's been hurt. Now he struggled. And, you know, he's trying to find his way, you know, back to, you know, to the status of can he be an elite closer, okay? If he's not an elite closer, is he elite? At least was he an elite setup? Can he be an elite setup? Does he have the mindset for that? Did the Yankees sit there and say, okay, we, if, at the trading deadline, do we, do we deal him? What can we get for him? Or do we say, you know what, he's been to October's before. He's a really good insurance policy in case, you know, home suit falter, you know, on the back end because he's closed and he's done it. And if he finds his way back, I mean, it's a valuable piece. What are we really going to get for him for you know, a rental? For, not a rental for a free because he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. What are we going to get for him? Yeah, he's have to weigh a lot of those considerations. But to me, it's, one of the reasons he becomes so valuable is if you look at the Mets, just as an example, the Mets have struggled not with Diaz. Diaz has been for as bad as he was the first two years of this thing. He's been really great. He's been lights out great. He found himself. So he's been he's the closer of the year. He, he, you know, Holmes. Yeah. He's made a lot of people he, forget about Jared Kelnick and, the, and even Robbie Cano. That's yeah. exactly there you go, right there. So you start looking at that and say, Oh my god, so so he's done uh, you know, and, and and so Diaz has been great, but the people in front of him have not been great. So if you if you're the Mets, look and say, we take it out with the Yankees to make a deal with the Mets. I mean, there's a whole lot of po- political things flying around here. Would they, would they or not? I don't know. But I'm just saying that a team that really needs a good setup guy or a team that's looking for a closer, you know, and says, I, we could use him. It's an arm that it's it's still got the, the ability to get people out. You know, right now, I think a lot of what's going on is, is you know, is psychological, I think, with, with, uh, with Chapman. And I think the Yankees, you know, are finding this out. And I, I think the Yankees have to make a decision, but but if he's out there and available, I think he could be a difference maker. I, I know he struggled. I know it hasn't been right right now, but the reality is the potential is for him. To, if he writes that shift in his mind, he, he could be devastating and he could be a huge asset to some teams. So to answer that question, that's that's the Mets could use, certainly could use someone like a Chapman because they're really lined up for solid. They're starting pitching, especially with Scherzer. And if DeGrom comes back, and anyway, I mean, the, the Mets are going to be formidable. I mean, they've been able to, they had a big lead. Now it's down to, as we record this, like three games. And they, you know, they, the Braves have just shown what they're about, which is, you know, so it's time to play serious baseball. Let's go win. Let's go do it. And the team that gets hot is the team that wins. And it's hot in October, is the team that wins. They could certainly win. They have the talent to win. They've won it before and recently as last year. So you start looking at all those things. And, and, and what you come up with is you just shrug your shoulders and say, I haven't a clue how this is going to go. As much as you want to handicap this, I mean, so many variables here and so many things that just make it really hard to handicap. But uh, but I would say a player like Chapman becomes a real tremendous wild card here for a lot of teams. Interesting. Did you uh, did you, you learn anything about? Do you no, see it as that? I, I think I think a lot needs to happen. Oh, I'm trying to let me think how I could word this with Aroldis Chapman specifically. I see what you could say. It's conceivable for sure. I think a lot has to happen for it to go right. Yes. So. Yes. Because he's struggling. He's struggling mightily. Yeah. And and you <laughs> know what? Right. And and I'll and I'll tell you what. There's you go back to. 2018, you know, the, the first full season of his, his, or no, the second full season of his, his first deal with the Yankees, like 
there's always been a valley to the peak with the world of Chapman. And then the peak happens again. It's always happened. This is just different because it's it's been extended. It's been the whole season. Yeah, I think the Achilles injury is another factor in all that. But there there's something there that just feels different about seasons past because I I, I need to see, yeah, I need, I need to see it to believe it. So if that's going to happen on the Yankees or another team, it's an interesting scenario because yeah, his contract's up at the end of the season. I wonder how proactive the Yankees are with that, but that's an interesting wrinkle that people should be watching for four days left to go. You know, given, given the status of when that Holmes is the closer, yeah. and he's the closer, he has the job. Right, right. But you're also um, subtracting yeah. a, a piece to an area of the team that you also need help in. See that's it too, and if you, you can't you can't sit here on this date and say, "Well, he's done. He can't do it. He, you know, he's, he doesn't really fit here anymore." It's like, you know, it, it's easy just to write off and say he struggled for sure, and and to say that it's it's time to sort of jettison that and, and don't worry about it. You, you could, I mean, you could certainly do that. What I I think the Yankees are smarter than that. I think the Yankees realize what if he could get right what he could give them, not only give the Yankees, but he can give some other teams. Yeah. So the Yankees have to, you know, this is a tough decision for them to make. But, but you know, again, the, the idea of them, you know, when he's a free agent, he's, the Yankees bringing him back, I don't know that they're going to do that, but I don't know that they won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? I mean, it's it's open to interpretation. It's so subjective. But what's not subjective is he's just not, he's just not pitching well right now. Right. That's not subjective. That's a reality. Right. You have, a, so, you have an interest. You have an interesting race as you look at the rest of the National League. Central Division, Milwaukee, St. Louis have gone back and forth all year. St. Louis needs needs pitching. I think yeah. it's the team that is most actively talked about, whether it's a really big-name player like Juan Soto. And if Shohei Otani becomes available, the Cardinals have young, controllable major league talent. They also have good prospects in the front system who are almost major league ready. So if you're a Yankee fan and you're wondering, man, who are the other teams that the Yankees really need to – uh, out, outperform in terms of what they're willing to give up to get names like Soto or an Otani. Should he become available? Or even Castillo. Even, even the Castillo. Castillo. Yes. Well, right. I, I'm wondering because of the central division element and all that. I'm wondering. Look, the Reds. Yeah, they're in last place, but they remember they got off to a really, really bad start. They're play, They got off to a three and twenty-two start, John. Right. They're. Right. Third, they're 35. This is quick math here by Justin Shackle. This is pretty good. 35 and 28 since their three and 22 start. So, whether or not that you think that they believe that they could be a winning team moving forward, I don't know if if they want to do a deal with the Cardinals within their division. But, um, well, but remember, you don't also go, it's not the unbalanced schedule starting next year, it's a balanced schedule. So yeah. You don't have to play as many times, and you're right about the, the, the only thing is at the end of the day is will he help you, you know, pole vault, you know, to where you need to be at pole vault, right. and yeah. will, will it take that move? But the fact that you go into the unbalanced to a balanced schedule sort of takes away some of that, a little mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, but, I, I mean, about listen, that. If, right. if you put the vote, if you put the most talent out there, you look if you're a team like the Reds and you're looking to rebuild, there are a lot of number of teams are like this, you're looking, at, you're going to look for a rebuild, like the Washington Nationals, I mean, they're moving to make the Soto move, not because they want to give up a Juan Soto, but they realize they're not going to be able to sign him, and, but two and a half years is a long time mm-hmm. in baseball, okay, but they're looking to make a maximum haul, we need five or six positions, we need to address, and we can address four of them in one trade, you know, we won't get any, a talent like Soto, we're not looking for that, but we're going to be able to address the Angels. We can move Otani. We can address two or three or four positions that we really need help in. And the Yankees have shortstops. They have catchers. They have lots of things. And they also have some pitchers, too. 
that would be very, very interesting to a lot of other teams, minor league prospects. And they are suspects until they are in the major leagues, until they've dominated, as you know. We've talked about that. But the reality is, on paper, some of these players look like this. they can't miss. They'll, they'll translate, and they'll, they could become stars. Do you want to trade a potential star for a certified superstar? And you know you're going to get help. You know if you get Otani, he helps you. You know if you get Soto, he helps you. And you know if you get Castillo, although not a superstar, but a star for sure, and a star of need, in a position of need, do you take that move? And the answer is you make it. So it, it's collateral. Those those prospects should be viewed as not just players that can help you in the future, but they're collateral right now in trades. And that's what, they're, you know, you're, they're, they're assumption cards. That's what they are. So if you want to play an assumption card, then go play that card. And it's a good card to play. So it, it's going to get very interesting. But the Yankees have the prospects. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees have established players, too, in certain cases. Well, I bring up two more teams as we finish our wrap around the National League that we haven't mentioned yet, but they have just as good of a shot as any team to land big names because they have shown that they will be fearless when a big name is on the trade market. That is the Dodgers and that is the Padres. How dangerous are they just from the fact that they are a fearless team, not afraid to give up prospects to gain those star names and help them win. And they got the money. Mm -hmm. So the Dodgers have the money. So I would say the Dodgers are extremely, you have to consider them obviously in any of this. And, you know, by the way, just because they, they if they went out and they got Otani, or they got out and they went Soto, say they got those players, those players of that ilk, not that there's a lot of players of that ilk, but say they went and they got them, they've got, you can always trade some of the talent you already have. You know, they're, they're, some of those big contracts are, in fact, they're big contracts, but they get, they're starting to get dwarfed by the contracts that have come subsequently. Betts' deal is now three years old or whatever it is now, two or three years old. Betts' deal, it's a nice deal. Mm-hmm. Real good deal. But, you know, there are players who passed bets. Now, in, in, in the AAV, there was the annual value of a contract and also the aggregate value of a contract over years. There are players who command more. So if they wanted to move bets, you know, not to say that's an easy deal because it's a lot of years and it's big money, but it could be moved. There are there are players that they have uh, that they can make those kind of deals where they're going to lose some, some, some star players as well. A couple of star players are going to leave them. So that will leave them some payroll flexibility if they're looking at payroll flexibility. So the Dodgers are extremely very much a team who could make a move here. The Padres have shown they're not afraid to spend money either. And the way that you know they, they close the gap, it looked like, for a for most of the season, then they turn around and it's like a dozen games. They're, they're behind the Dodgers. It just seems like the Dodgers just are that kind of a powerhouse team. And the way you you are a powerhouse is you built to be a powerhouse, and then you maintain being a powerhouse. And getting any of the players that we talked about will make the Dodgers even better than they are now. So that's a scary proposition, and they've got the money. So they're very much in this for, for to make a move like that. They operate with no fear. The track record's there. You don't have yeah. to look far. Last year, they if you want to try, and I think this year represents a, a higher tier, but, I mean, last year, they were able to get Scherzer and Trey Turner in one trade. And if you you know want to take the time to go back to 2020, 2019, 2018, they're always acquiring a big name at the trade deadline. So I don't think that trend is going to stop here in, in 2022. No. no, especially if you're going to lose some players, and, and they know that. So that will open up, uh, you mm-hmm. know, that will let the, if their thinking was somewhat on the fence, I think that moves them right off the mm-hmm. fence. Now, four days left till the trade deadline. Final thoughts as this uh, very important point in the Yankees season and the rest of Major League Baseball comes at us? 
I, I like from a just from a baseball. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction. Just from the baseball marketing side of this, I love the idea of getting rid of the the waiver thing because what that does is give you that one day. It's your last chance to set to make the moves that you really want to make to that you really know that can help you or you know whatever. It, it's it's that it, and it, it, you've created an event. It used to be just a deadline. Mm-hmm. Which which meant that it was a deadline, and when you couldn't make a move, then you have to go through a waiver process. But there was like a backdoor way to make a move. Now there is none. This is it. This is your last chance to make a move. And a lot of teams are going to look at their rosters and say, "We need X, or we need Y, or we need Z, or we need two X's, two Y's, and one Z." Whatever they're going to look at it and say, "That's what they're going to look at." It's a, it's an examination of a, not only their situation but the organizational situation that they're in. So it'll give them a chance to address whatever needs that are there, and they'll have to do it. This is their last shot. So this becomes not just one team looking at it like that, but there'll be all the teams in baseball will look at it because you're either going to be a buyer or a seller. There's not going to be anybody's going to sit there and say, "Well, we're neutral. You know, we're like Switzerland. We're going to sit here and be Switzerland." No, you're either going to be buying or you're going to be selling. Or, or I guess there are one or two teams that are going to sit there and say, "Well, we're not going to do anything, so we're not going to buy. We're not going to sell. We're just going to be there." Okay, let's forget about those one or two. The other 27 or 28 teams are going to say we're either buying or we're selling, and that's what makes this so fascinating because that kind of a uh, of uh, of uh, of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Or it's not really it's not algebra. It is uh, that kind of ge- such geometry. What we're looking for? Give me a help here. I that- got a D in my last math yeah, class uh, in high school, algebra. so you're, I'm not the one to ask here, man. Calculus, calculus. Uh, I never took calculus. I I was able to skate through my education without taking calculus. I mean, if I had took calculus, I would have failed it. So why (laughs) take another thing? I would have failed. I took enough things. I failed. Why would I take something else? You know, I mean, the only thing I I was good at was understanding baseball. That was all I knew. Uh, So anyway, so the yeah, the calculus part of this is like okay, the calculus is going to be fascinating here, and uh, it's going to be an all-day affair. And by the way, yes, we're going to do. We've dedicated the next four days to extensively looking at uh, the, the, uh, the 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 deadline and players that are going, players that could go. We'll be talking about that every day in our in our extensive, you know, whether it be our batting practice show or our pregame shows or our postgame shows or even during the game. And on the the actual day of the, the deadline, which is Tuesday the second, Jack Curry will be uh, will be on the call uh, for, for the entire day. And he'll be there to report breaking breaking trade news, and uh, along with Meredith. And so we've got our we've got all our ducks in a row for this, and we're uh, we're planning on it being a big event. And we hope you watch us to, you know, to to get the full value, uh, Yankee fans, because we'll give you full value because we get the Yankees more than anybody else understands them. As an aside here, I know we're going a little long, but I guess got to say because you brought it up, Jack Curry breaking the Benintendi trade. It was a great mix of of new school and old school because he put it on Twitter and then it happened simultaneously as the post game show was running. And we talked about at the very beginning, best trade memories. My best trade memories are are watching baseball tonight as a youngster, summer vacation, I'm entrenched in baseball. The trade deadline is huge, the biggest thing going on. And the only resource is watching the television. And it just felt good because it reminded yeah. me of uh, watching this stuff unfold as a kid without Twitter. So, so just to go back on, on something, Justin, we talked about in the beginning about players who made impact at trade deadlines, the most memorable one. And I've actually been honest with you. I gave you my Lou Brock one from years and million years ago, but uh, something that's a little bit more contemporary, although, you know, it's still a long time ago. Um, 
probably David Cohn. The Yankees getting him in '95 at the time. I mean, because he made a difference. The Yankees got in the playoffs uh, that year, and then they lost to Seattle in the memorable, you know, wild card. What was it wild card? Yeah, the, or the, yeah. the division series. Division series. I guess there was no uh, two out of three then. So yeah, the division series was two out of three, and they lost to Seattle. That's right. They lost to the Mariners, and uh, and it was very. The Yankees won the first two, but then lost the next three in, in Seattle. And but uh, but uh, David Cohn was was really important to the Yankees making the playoffs. It was the first time in a while that you know uh, that would happen because the '94 strike wiped out the the idea that the Yankees were going to you know. The Yankees had such a great team that year. They did. But anyway, 95, uh, David Cohn was a difference maker, put them in the playoffs and was uh, obviously a player that was uh, being looked at and watched. And David Cohn, just because of his years in New York with the Mets and, you know, just because he was David Cohn, I mean, it was, there was a huge fascination and he proved to be a, a key acquisition for the Yankees. Not only that, but in the years that they won championships, David was a, was an integral part of that. So I, I would say David Cohn. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's other answers to that for sure. But in my own hand, I would say David Cohn. I heard a gun. Where the expression came from in uh, 1990s Yankees history. David Cohn was a hired gun, and uh, and now he's my podcast partner too. Yes. Yeah, so what's the name cool. of the podcast again? Telling the slab. Telling the slab. Pitching and with David Cohn. People can find that. Where can they find that? I mean, wherever, you, find wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. So it, it's it's all out there in the podcast world for sure. Uh, Apple, Spotify, other places. But yeah, rate, review, subscribe. That one. Rate, review, subscribe. This one. So you're not call. doing one, you should do the other. If you're out rate reviewing, subscribing one or the other, you should make sure you do both. Yeah. It's a uh, it's actually a BOGO offer. But you you rate one or rogo. You you rate one, you get one. Yeah. I like that. I like to yeah. get one free or uh, well, so, I mean it's all free. Hey. Yeah, that's right. We're, that's we're charitable here in the podcast. For the time space. being, for the time being, they're all free. Yes, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> we'll see how that changes over time. Yeah. But whatever. We're, but uh, it's been a pleasure, uh, hey, Justin. Thank thanks you for, for calling me out of the bullpen. I appreciate it. Thank you for being part of this. And uh, we thank uh, you, our listener, because our listeners, I should say, we only have one listener. My family, somebody in my family's listening. But uh, no, we like you, our listeners, because without you, we don't have what we have. So thank you for whatever success we've had. We, we obviously have a major part of it. So thank you for supporting us and helping us. And uh, and until next time, which will be sooner rather than later, we say uh, we look forward to it. And uh, and we'll see you down the road. Yes. For our producer, Dan Bassone, John J. Filippelli, Justin Shackle. Thank you for tuning in to the Curtain Call podcast presented by the S Network. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.